0: Sometimes uh, I feel like at first people stumble across us by accident, right? Maybe maybe here live on Clubhouse or later when it becomes our podcast, the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast, right? Okay, so what is this all about? Well, our Wednesday night live event is a little bit different. Oh, yeah. Today we're going to talk about a little bit of science, maybe a lot of science. We're going to talk about communication, about Uh, communicating complex issues and making them simple for the general public. That sounds interesting, right? Sounds like the business that you're in sometimes. We'll talk about innovation and we'll even talk about Washington, D.C. No, not in that way, in another way and NASA. Welcome to our Wednesday live event known as Innovation in Audio right here on the Clubhouse app. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We're about to roll into 2022. You realize that, right? We help media companies and other companies with strategic direction, separating their products successfully from competitors, helping them understand consumers, and of course, getting attention in the environment where you are judged. I call that uh, the environment where you get your money. Consumer behavior is changing and changing rapidly. If you know somebody who is looking for some fresh answers in these areas of business, critical to survival and getting ahead in complex environments, we'd love to help them. Reach out anytime, F-O-R-D at RainMakerPathway.com. This live event is part of a podcast series called the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and will become available pretty rapidly after the very end of this live event, wherever you get your podcast, Our thank you to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and doing an absolutely amazing job. And of course, justjoeproductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. They do a great job. Today, we're going to visit, uh, actually, with a couple of really interesting guests for us. Graham, Graham, Uh, Liao, and I hope I got that right. He's going to correct me here in a minute. I'm going to ask him to do so because I always sometimes will mangle names. He's a research scientist with Blue Marble Space Institute of Science in Seattle, Washington. He's going to be joined along with myself and uh, uh, our very amazing co-host Skip Dillard with uh, Tracy Latrell. Note: She's the music director of WHUR FM in Washington D.C. We're we'll going to learn about her life and where she's been and where she is going. Before we get started with our current guest, I'd like to give you a quick preview of what's coming in the next week on Innovation and in Audio. On Wednesday, December 8th, 2021, Tori Smith is going to be here, the co-founder and CEO of something called Indetex, And this is a Redwood City, California company. This is innovation that you will want to become familiar with, I promise. Oh, and tomorrow, Aaron Callahan is our special guest from Futuri Media. And if you are interested in consumers... Television, Changing Disruption in Media. You will want to hear what she is going to share live. Why? Because tomorrow's event is called how TV has been and is changing forever. So tomorrow, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, what is TV now? What do viewers expect? What should you know? Find out in this one-time research discovery event all about television with the Media. And by the way... This will specifically be focused on the research project that was done for television through the folks at Vituri and Smith Geiger. This is that study from Smith Geiger and you'll want to catch some of these details. We will hear directly from television viewers on a wide variety of subjects. See our full upcoming guest calendar for all of our live events at rainmakerpathway.com. That's also where you're going to find free encouragement for on-air promotions with our more than live and local guest series. And for radio sellers, local radio sellers across the country, you get even more encouragement with our encouraging sales success series, as well as free resources from anyone for, for anyone who's making a living in the radio business today or in audio. By the way, we don't lock away anything on our site the way some other consultants do. So go to rainmakerpathway.com anytime, see what you can get for free from our team. Let's go directly to today's guest. Now, today's first guest is currently serving as the director of communications and marketing at Blue Marble Space. Now, listen, his research work has involved utilizing, I have to talk slow now because I've got some words coming up. His research work has involved utilizing biological and geochemical techniques and instrumental to study processes of sulfur cycling and supraglacial supply. Oh boy, I'm just going to give this up. I'm just going to tell you, uh, uh, outside of uh, research relevant to geobiological and astrobiology, he finds a variety of ways to engage the public and to communicate science like he will be doing with us today. Graham, welcome to the Encouragers Innovation and in Audio. How are you, sir? I'm doing quite well, Lloyd. It's a pleasure to join all of you. Boy, I, I really got a great opportunity to prove that I wasn't a scientist there. Would <laughs> you please start by telling us uh, the correct pronunciation of your last name? Because I think that's really important if people wanna like reach out to you.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. My, my last name is Lau. Um, it's nice. kind of like, like luau minus the ooh. Um, oh. we, we think it's a German name. Um, I'm not entirely sure in our family, but, uh, yeah, it, it's Dr. Graham
0: Lau. Oh, well, so I can actually either call you Graham or I can call you doctor, right?
1: Yeah, I, I like Graham, but Dr. Lau, I, I hear a lot as well.
0: All right. Uh, well, Graham, listen. Let's start with Blue Marble Space Institute of Science. Can you talk about what your organization does and then maybe your specific role there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and maybe first I'll talk about Blue Marble Space. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so Blue Marble Space is a 501c3 nonprofit organization founded by Sanjoy Sam, who's also an astrobiologist, but who kind of you know, took the, the, the step into the deep water of entrepreneurship To create the nonprofit of Blue Marble Space, um, which really kind of has has this vision of of scientific innovation and entrepreneurship, really allowing scientists to kind of test the waters of innovation and entrepreneurship. Uh, Under Blue Marble Space, which is kind of our umbrella nonprofit, we have a series of initiatives uh, focused in various realms of communicating science, of conducting scientific research, um, a, a variety of things, in fact. We, we have Green Space, it's an indoor microgreen growing farm in Pennsylvania. Uh, we have SaganNet.org, which is our astrobiology social network. Uh, we also partner with NASA Astrobiology for the show that, that I host called Ask an Astrobiologist through that. Uh, and then we also have One Flag in Space, which kind of shares this vision that astronauts going to space, rather than wearing the flag of the U S or the flag of China or the flag of Brazil or some other nation, they could all wear the flag of the earth to represent all of us together as humanity. Oh, that's now. Yeah. And so within blue marble space, then we have blue marble space Institute of science, which is our research branch. Uh, we now have over 60 research scientists in our organization, over 50 visiting scholars from around the world working with us. Uh, this past year, we have, so we have an internship program. This past year, we had 128 interns join us from over 28 nations, uh, and so we're just a large organization of researchers and then those who are teaching others how to do research as well uh, in a variety of sciences um, throughout Earth and space science, astrobiology, and, and trying to understand what it means to be human here in the cosmos.
0: Man, absolutely. Now, look, just for a reference, especially for people who will join and listen to the podcast later, I want to make Clear for us that you're being very gracious with your time to spend this time with us. And Graham, uh, you're here because we like to shake things up a little bit. We like for people to see things that are purely innovative and moving people toward innovation, maybe not even close to the lane that they're in so that they can be divorced of the idea that. I have to be like this person or I have to be like this. We want them to see what innovation looks like in other lanes. I I consider scientists myself to be like adventurers or really amazing detectives. Has curiosity driven your desire to learn science and to try to communicate that more smoothly for people like me and the general public?
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, we humans are are curious beings, right? Uh, I know for myself, I I was five years old when I, when I decided I wanted to be a scientist. Um, I was very inspired by a film. It was 1988. Like I I know the exact night. Um, I went home that night and and I did two things. I I made my very first guitar and I told my mother I wanted to be a scientist. And that kind of stuck with me after that. I just followed that curiosity and that passion to want to learn more about who and what we are in the universe. Um, And so, yeah, so I I agree. I think science, it is an adventure. Um, it it just gonna, that's got to be one of
0: those things that you tell your mom and she goes, Whew, oh, he's going to be a scientist. At least he's not saying he's going to be a rap artist or he's going to be an artist of some kind.
1: Well, I mean, I could have made more money in some other, other directions maybe, um, you know, there, there's other pathways, but uh, I also had other ideas in my life. Like I said, I, I made my first guitar that night. I've been playing guitar and making music since I was five. Uh, wow. So that could have been a pathway as well. And, and you know, I, I think there's a lot of adventures we can go on out there. And I, I think even for science in general, I think anyone can be a scientist. It doesn't it doesn't require a certain degree or even a Ph.D. Um, you know, I think those of us who are doing research science it's a little different. But anyone can think like a scientist and can, can use a scientific approach to to business, to art, to whatever endeavor they're, 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 they're pursuing in their own lives.
0: That's exactly right. Listen, it appears to us uh, after having spent a little just a little bit of time looking at your life, Uh, that you have spent a very significant amount of time acquiring knowledge in your field and a variety of experiences, not just research in a lab or something. You were an undergraduate research fellow at the University of Rhode Island. You worked as an undergraduate research associate at NASA's Ames Research Center, and you've been both a graduate student researcher and an undergraduate research assistant at the University of Colorado Boulder. What in the world have you learned between these great universities and the folks at NASA?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, there's so much for us to explore in our lives. And I I speak a lot to undergraduate students and and even to high school students. And and even just earlier this week, I I was speaking to third, fourth and fifth grade students um, about careers in science and astrobiology. And and one thing I recommend to a lot of people is, is to to think broadly about their approach. Astrobiology itself is an extremely broad realm of study in trying to understand what life is in the universe. And it requires more than just biology or chemistry. It it requires culture and philosophy and and history and art and sociology and so much more. So I, I, I think young people really shouldn't be scared to go try out something just a little bit outside of their usual lane, to try out something a little bit new and, and for me, you know, as a young student, I went from biology and chemistry and then into astrophysics and then eventually earned my Ph.D. in geology. Now, mm-hmm. not everyone has to earn degrees in several different fields like that. But for myself, I found it really helpful to approach the sciences in so many different ways and and using different languages of the subdisciplines of the sciences to kind of broaden my own understanding.
0: Well, and you're you're actually living your life. You talked about money a little while back, but you're actually living your life by putting out what god has put in you so to speak listen you were a staff writer with science worthy you do you spend a great deal of time writing that's first and then i see from your resume that you've spent time in social media in pr in marketing that seemed to be about sharpening your saw so to speak what is the key to communicating science and specifically the work you're doing to the general public
1: yeah so that's really you no know, it's a fun question i when I first started my career in the sciences, I knew that I wanted to be someone who shares science. You know, for me, the remarkable science moments and the, the remarkable knowledge sharing moments, they never happened in the classroom. They, they was always, you know, having some drinks with friends around a campfire. And we started just sharing our understanding of the stars above us and the forest around us and things like that. And it really inspired me to want to want to share more. Um, now, for your first question, yes, I do write every day. And, and I, I, nice. I would suggest to young students, you know, write every day set some minimum number of words or, or minimum period of time and write every day. It's, it's a skill you should work on. But I, I also recommend to those who want to be speakers is to speak a little bit every day, develop a speaking practice, uh, find famous speeches that you enjoy and, and, and things that are hard for you to say too. I, I know some words I have a hard time with, and, and so I practice those every day. Uh, I will say for, for communicating science, I, I had a very interesting moment uh, here in Colorado, many years ago, I was an undergraduate studying astrophysics, and I went I went down to Colorado Springs to a middle school to a science fair they were they were putting on, and I took along a bunch of meteorites, including my favorite piece of meteorite. I I love this chunk of rock. It's older than our Earth. It's a fantastic example of what we call a chondrite meteorite or a primitive meteorite. And I was explaining to some young children who had walked up with their mother and. I guess they were like 9, 10 and 11, something kind of like in that range, like very young children, maybe 9, 10 and 12, maybe. Um, And I was explaining to them like how old this meteorite is. And I was like, you know, this thing is 4.56 billion years old. And, you know, I thought I was explaining it very well. And the kids like just eyes glazed over, just, you know, they had no idea what I was saying. They were children, but their mother, you know, she got it. Like mom knew what she was doing. And so mom grabbed this rock out of my hand, and she points it towards her kids and she says, look, kids, this thing is older than mommy. And oh. I've never seen the surprise in the faces of children that way. Like their jaws dropped, their eyes went wide. Something in the universe around them is older than mommy. I mean, that, that was a huge hit, but it was a, a very important learning moment for me. That mother taught me something very important that day uh, about communicating science and about sharing knowledge in general is that you know we have to find the right way you know the right way to address each other to use the language that we all understand together sometimes you have to find out that level that someone kind of like where their understanding is and then you can go from that and start walking into deeper and deeper territories and before you know it you're in a conversation that leads both of you into to new innovative ways of thinking about the world around you but it really does take that that first spark that discovery of how we can actually communicate with each other
0: about our knowledge I love the I love that experience for you, and I love that you had that moment of epiphany, if you will. I'm going to give you an opportunity to use it right now. Uh, this is for people in our audience just like me. I know what research is. I have a vision for what a scientist is in my head, right? Um, I could guess, but could you explain to us exactly what a research scientist does in your lane? What does a research scientist do on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, I mean, all of us are, are kind of doing somewhat different things. I mean, you know, I, I wear several different hats throughout the realm of communication, marketing, PR, and, and research science, and all the different things I do in mentoring. Um, but for research science itself, you know, a lot of the time is, is spent reading and reviewing other research. But then, you know, some research researchers, they're spending a lot of time in the laboratory running experiments. Uh, they might be using computer models. Uh, you know, we, we build models to try to help us understand things going on in the universe you know, and things going on in the world around us. And so maybe they'll develop some computer model that kind of helps them to, to understand some process and they'll run that model over and over again. Uh, and then there's also a lot of time just spent writing up what we're discovering and, and sharing those writings online in research publications in books. Um, and so there's a variety of things that we're doing. But like I mentioned earlier, I, I think I think anyone can be a scientist a- anyone can approach their own learning, their own understanding in a scientific manner. But then when it comes to doing research science, that's where we really start then going deep down the road of exploring sub-disciplines of the sciences, of really developing, you know, the skills to understand a specific field, of learning about certain kinds of instruments or methodologies to to really, you know,
0: start answering our questions about things that are happening around us. Nice, Dr. Lau, I, I looked this up. I want you to know this. Astrobiology is the study of the origins, evolution, dist, uh, distribution, and future of life in the universe. Are you an astrobiologist?
1: I am an astrobiologist, um, and that's the thing that I wanted to be since I was a kid. Uh, I don't know the exact moment that happened where I decided that's kind of the realm I wanted to be in, but I know that, like you know, being a young person watching Star Trek: The Next Generation. And thinking about, you know, what could happen when we humans go out there to the stars and, and reading the works of Carl Sagan and, and watching the original cosmos, like super inspired me to like want to be involved in this realm of trying to understand, you know, life on earth. Where did we come from? You now, how has life changed over time on our planet? And, and what does it mean for us humans right now to be aware of ourselves as living things on a planet? Uh, and now to be sending spacecraft out to other worlds and who knows before long, maybe even other stars, uh, there's so much
0: there for us to learn about the universe. Well, I, I love, you know, I mean, look, obviously I have a group on an app called the clubhouse app that is called the encouragers. We love encouragement. I love this about you. Your career took a turn with the New York times and national geographic student expeditions, where you you basically were inspiring young students in travel. And more specifically, it looked like you're engaging them in understanding science better, in uh, scientific uh, experiences, and of course, helping these students to effectively communicate complex topics around particle physics, AI, engineering, space science, and more. These were in some cases, students from MIT and Harvard, you talked earlier about how you talk to to kids like all the way down into the third grade. All of this is interesting, centered around inspiring the next generation of innovators. What is challenging in trying to make science an easier communication, so to speak, for for really science-minded students?
1: You know, I'll I'll go back again, you know, this idea that we all can be scientists, right? And I think when when I'm speaking to young people, I I do give a lot of talks where I tell young people, you know, here are some of the things you can do if you want to become a research scientist. Uh, If you want to pursue a career in the sciences, here's how you can go about that, the kinds of courses you can take, how to find good mentors, you know, how to approach college applications, how to approach graduate school applications and, and those kinds of things. But I also think it's important for us to share our scientific understanding and, and really all of our understanding with young people to, to give them options, really. Uh, I think young people can explore all of their possible options through a variety of the tools we humans have developed for understanding ourselves. You know, science is just one of those tools. There's there's other tools as well in studies of spirituality, of culture, of art, uh, ways for us to really, you know, understand the the, the routes that we pursue in our lives. And I think young people should never just follow like one straight track or, or feel like they have to go a specific direction to get where they want to be. There's, there's so many paths we can all take. And the beauty of our lives is that they all meander around and kind of twist and come back together sometimes and fork apart. And they do all these cool things. And it makes for a more fun career when you look at it that way as well.
0: I think it's especially true today when technology is making so many things possible. You know I'm going to ask because I'm – look, I'm driven by curiosity. Please tell us about Ask an Astrobiologist.
1: I was super fortunate to be invited on to Ask an Astrobiologist as a co-host. The CEO of Blue Marble Space, Sanjoy Sam, uh, he asked me to join him as the co-host for the show that he had hosted for some time uh, through NASA Astrobiology and SegaNet.org. And it was a pleasure to join him as a co-host. I, I did that for a little over a year, and then I ended up taking over as the full-time host of the show. It's a once-a-month live stream. We air on Facebook and on YouTube, uh, both through the NASA Astrobiology platforms. And it's a show where I speak to other astrobiologists about their careers, the, the, where, what, what got them to where they are. Uh, we speak about their research, about current events in astrobiology, and then we allow the audience to ask questions as well. We've had on just so many incredible people talking about Mars exploration, about exploring icy worlds in our solar system, about looking for life in various places here on earth to better understand what life does. Um, it's been a lot of fun over the years, honestly, for me here. Uh, I have Natalie Botala joining me here uh, in a few weeks on the, on the show. Uh, we'll be talking about exoplanets, uh, these worlds that we're now finding around, around other stars. When I was a kid, we didn't know of any planets around other stars. And now we have over 4,500 that we've confirmed. And here at the end of this month, we're launching the James Webb Space Telescope, JWST, which we're going to discuss on the show, is is going to be the the next step in in finding and exploring exoplanets and and maybe even looking for signs of life in the atmospheric chemistry uh, within the gaseous atmospheres around these worlds. We might find signs of life on those planets.
0: Now, if you're into audio and you're listening to this, this is your normal thing. You know you didn't know nothing about this stuff before you started listening to this episode, right? Okay. Now, Dr. Lau, listen, are you, uh, this, I find this probably a really good question for you simply because, again, I'm curious and nosy and I want to know. Are you more fascinated with where humans have come from on our journey or where we might be going?
1: It's a really fun question and it's really hard to answer because I I love both. I love studying history and and what's changed for us over time in our different cultures, our different approaches to understanding. But also I I love considering what the future might hold And, and not just the next few years or decades, but, you know, what happens a century from now? Where will we be? What happens a millennium from now? Um, will we eventually become computers? Will we make, make ourselves the artificial intelligence of the Earth? Um, might most aliens be artificial intelligence? We, we really don't know. But I, I will say, in answer to this question, one, one thing I hear people say a lot, uh, and you'll see it on social media, you'll see these memes going around where, you know, people feel like they were born too late to be a pirate and born too early to fly out into outer space. Uh, or, you know, born too late to be a, a Renaissance man uh, and, and then born too early to to be, you know, Captain Kirk or whatever uh, kind of example you want to use. And I, I honestly, I don't like those examples because I, I feel like we romanticize so much the past. And sometimes we romanticize the future even, even though the future is unknown. And yet, you know, there was some very terrible stuff in our past. And I, I would never say that we're entirely over some of that terrible stuff. We certainly still have a, a large number of issues that we humans have to deal with, with ourselves, with our treatment of each other, with our planet, um, but at the same time, right now is a beautiful time to be alive. For me as an astrobiologist, I mean, I mean we, we right now might be at the cusp of discovering that we're not alone in the universe. That, that by itself is huge. I and mean, that, that's, that's a right. huge undertaking for our species. But I think right now as well, when it comes to culture, to, to social issues, I mean, right now, we are starting to make changes right now for a much better future. And there, there's certainly a lot of things to worry about and a lot of potential dangers from the outside as well. That there's <laughs> a science study, But yeah, there's a lot of dangers from the inside, too. And so I, I think right now it's not only a beautiful time to be alive, but it's, it, there's always a time when we can step up and, and make some action, you know, make, make some change for that better future we want to see. And so I tell people, you know, rather than romanticizing the future, let's make that future. And then it'll be romantic for us.
0: You know, I'm going to sneak a question on you. So here it is without warning or anything. Uh, Elon Musk comes to you, right? Jeff Bezos, one of these guys. Look, it's not it's not outside the concept that they could stumble across you. Or maybe you know them. I don't know this. Uh, and one of them says, hey, um, I got extra seat. You want to go to space? What does Dr. Lao say to that? Absolutely.
1: <laughs> In a heartbeat. Uh, my, my friend, Sian Proctor, uh, Dr. Sian Proctor, she went up on the Inspiration4 mission this summer. Uh, I'm so jealous, but also so inspired by her. Um, the first black woman to be a pilot of a spacecraft as, as a, 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 a civilian astronaut, which is incredible. Um, and it made me super jealous. Like I said, like, super inspired, but also very jealous. I would love to go to space. Uh, we right now have just broken 600 people Uh, So, so far, about 600 people have gone into space. Now, if you consider the number of people on this planet, that's a very small number. And so, and so far, the the kinds of people who've gone to space are a very kind of small subset of humanity. I'm very excited for getting more of us from different backgrounds with different perspectives and different stories, you know, into space And, and having a chance to come home and explain that, you know, for myself, not just as a scientist, but a communicator and someone who who teaches in a variety of ways. I, I teach meditation, I teach people about science, I teach people about careers in the sciences. I would love to share that experience with people. I also want to hear from artists and poets and musicians what they experience in space and, and have them come back and share that with us in their own artistic you know, and, and communicative manners. Um, but yeah, I, I would absolutely hands down go in a heartbeat if I was given the chance.
0: Well, I think we're learning an awful lot today. You know, you talk about exciting things that are happening. I think we have learned an awful lot even recently about the value of a person with a different face, a person with a different skin color, a person with a different what uh, sexual orientation whatever it is, having an experience and showing that experience to other people that are like them that has really amazing value in overall humanity. Listen, on innovation and audio, we celebrate and engage innovation of all kinds, uh, and nobody really knows the future. And I always say, if, if I meet somebody who says, oh, I know the future, you know you're looking at someone who is foolish. What can we learn from you, though, about looking at the future from a really a scientific perspective?
1: You know, I I might I might change your question just a little bit. Do it, um, I love that. Because yeah, there's certainly so much value in the tool of science and and looking not just at the future, but you know, at ourselves right now in a scientific perspective. But you know, for me, what I think about a lot is is how does the astrobiological perspective really impact how we see ourselves right now and how we look at the future? Um, So you know, in the realm of astrobiology. You know, we might not be alone. And like I said, there's a good chance that if there is alien life out there, we might actually find it soon. We might actually have the answer to that question. Are we alone rather soon? And that's a that's a huge step philosophically and culturally for us as a species. But I think astrobiology, it also makes us think a lot more about our place on the world together, about our treatment of the Earth and our biosphere and each other. Um, the astrobiological perspective, I I think it makes us also think about the longevity of our civilization, you know, what actually happens to humanity a century from now or several centuries from now and in astrobiology and, and maybe the audience has heard of this before. There's this, this concept called the Drake equation, uh, created by the astronomer, Frank Drake. Uh, and it's a, it's a thought experiment. It's, it's an equation, but it's really a thought experiment. The equation tries to help you get an idea of the potential number of worlds out there with intelligent alien civilizations who could be communicating with us right now via radio. Uh, And so there's a bunch of factors in this equation. It starts off with a very big number, uh, the rate of star formation in our galaxy over time. And from that very big number, it starts to take the number of stars forming and it subselects from that the number of stars that have planets, the number of those planets that are like Earth. The number of those planets that might have life the number of those planets that might have intelligent life and then the number of those intelligent you know planets that might actually have a civilization who has radio but my very favorite part of this equation is the very last part it's it's the l factor it's the longevity of civilizations and it's a number we don't know we, we don't actually have an idea of, of how long do most technological civilizations exist for and maybe it's a very small number and maybe it's a very long big number and i think that's the big thing about you know viewing the future through an astrobiological perspective it really makes us think a bit more about that l factor and what is our civilizational longevity like into
0: the future that is really captivating for sure and listen earlier you talked about you know it's too late to be a pirate or it's too late to be you know, on Star Trek or or whatever that those experiences are. And I think with us being in the innovation century now, I, there's so much ahead of us, at least from the potential of humanity, that it is almost vibratingly exciting. And I am grateful that we have an opportunity to have someone like yourself uh, try to explain some of these uh, uh, perspectives to us. Thank you, Graham, for joining us on Innovation and Audio. I hope you'll stick around for a few minutes in case somebody in our audience might have a question for you. Does that sound okay?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm here. Uh, Thanks so much for the conversation. Uh, This has been fantastic, and I'd love to stick around.
0: Excellent. And listen, if you haven't subscribed to the encouragers innovation on audio podcast, you, you are already missing out on great content every single week. And, and by the way, we have a big archive. Uh, we already have this growing archive of shows that are waiting for you right now. You won't be able to believe what you can hear the people that you can come in contact with that appear on this live program that happens every single week while you're listening to this live event. Make certain you've joined the encouragers here on the Clubhouse app. Share what we're doing with other friends in radio and audio and, and innovation, because we don't care. We want to bring people into the fold of what we're doing. Follow the people on the stage tonight. Look around the room for others that you can connect with. A big part of encouraging your career in audio is helping you engage in effective and sometimes exciting networking. Find out what our guests. Uh, uh, talk about every single week, including ways that we can help your career become better and certainly more innovative by subscribing to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast. And of course, uh, you know, this is all about the 21st century. You know how things are changing so rapidly. You can meet our guests live on Clubhouse or subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss anything. We actually have two podcasts, the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and the Encouragers, the Radio Rally Podcast. Both are on Apple Audible, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. One final note before we get to our next guest. Save this date. Share it with anyone associated with broadcast or audio revenue or sales. Join us for a live event on Clubhouse on thursday january 13 2022 2 p.m eastern a little bit different for us 2 p.m eastern 11 a.m pacific for a revenue only focused event that we plan to do quarterly for sales managers market managers and local sellers the first event is called the 2022 sales liftoff planning your bigger revenue year And so you definitely will wanna join us with sales consultant, Alec Drake, who just finished up a long turn as the director of sales for Cumulus Media in Dallas. He and I will be joined by the revenue partners for this Q1 event, Chuck Wood, who's the VP and GM of Delta Media Corp, a multimedia company comprising of seven television and nine radio stations in Brizard, Louisiana. And Scott Howard, who's the general manager of WO. Radio, Federated Media, and Fort Wayne, Indiana. We're going to get it on and talk about how you can change your revenue year. Skip Dillard from WBLS and Hot 97 in New York City is in. Skip, who do you have for us this week?
2: I am am so happy to have someone I I call far more than a colleague, call her a great friend. Uh, She has been just uh, a shining star in the industry. And we'll talk a little bit about her career. But I, I first met her in Greensboro, North Carolina. Both of us were doing part-time. I, I don't know if Tracy or myself thought we would be here today. <laughs> it was something that I think both of us definitely radio, we were passionate about, you know, but but you know, things have a way of just starting to work out. We met again in New Orleans, Louisiana. And then she was off to great markets from Raleigh to Miami to uh, a whole lot of other adventures and, and just so happy to have her tonight. Tracy, how are you doing?
3: I'm wonderful. Thank you, Skip, and everybody for having me. I wanted to tell the story about us. Yes, please. And <laughs> first, congratulations on your new role um, at WBLS. VP Thank you. Of National Community Partnerships. Thank you. But anyway, yeah, Skip, you you uh trained me in Greensboro at 102 Jams. Wow. And you trained me on the board and everything. And the next thing you know, you were gone to New Orleans. I was like, Are you leaving now? Seriously? <laughs> we became friends and everything. And and what did I do? I followed you to New Orleans. Sure did. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Thanks to Tony Kitt, uh, Tony, Tony Gray. Yeah. Um, Always looking out for me, but yeah, um, we uh, had, had a good time in those days. Oh my
2: goodness. It it was fun. And, and so proud of you and, and wanted you to tell us a little bit about this 2021 Minty honor from elevating women in audio and BDS radio. Uh, How did that come about?
3: Well, uh, my sales manager at WHUR, Shanine Thompson, she um, called me and said, Tracy, I think this is something that, you know, I think you should do this. You should apply for this mentorship. And I was like, really, thank you so much for thinking about me. And so I went online and they had an application you had to fill out, answer, you know, a lot of questions about yourself, your career. Um, your goals, your you know strengths, weaknesses, you know everything, and I just, you know, I just let it out. I I was very vulnerable with my my answers, and um, you know because I felt you know I felt like I needed something um, something else. You know I needed to um, you know grow some more in in the industry. And I I really felt a connection to um, what this organization was about. And so I I just did, I I, I filled out the application, sent it in, you know, stayed up all night, you know, answering the questions because there were a lot of questions. And a couple of weeks later, Ruth Presloff um, called me and she said, you, you know, among all your peers who applied, um, all the music directors and program directors who applied, um, females, uh, you you are the chosen one, pretty much. Wow. You won. You won. You got this one year um, mentorship um, opportunity. And uh, I, I was just delayed
2: Uh, that's that's just so wonderful and and tracy as a woman in the industry you've been you know successful in in big big top markets how do you see women faring in the audio industry today do you see more rising than than you did when you first got in and what do we do to continue Uh, to bring not only women into the industry, but like yourself to star in, in, in the big markets, to become managers uh, up to general managers and and eventually owners?
3: Well, I, I think that we definitely need to see more equality in, in audio programming. Um, I think the mentorships, you know, are extremely important, like for, for the mentorship that I'm in now, you know, we have an opportunity to, tap into, you know, this wonderful network of of outstanding and accomplished women um, in the industry. Um, You make it what you want, um, this mentorship and, and, you know, you develop a plan, you let them know um, what it is that you want to gain, you know, what, you know, the knowledge that you want to gain or uh, improve upon, uh, whether it's, whether it's music scheduling, um, uh, you know, Nielsen, voiceover, you know, just the bigger picture about moving up in the business and reaching your goals. I think that is what's needed because, uh, you know, women um, in this industry, you know, we we should be in, in, in higher positions, period. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see more women executives and managers and owners spend more time with with other women that they see who have the desire and potential to rise to senior levels um in radio i'd like to see them spend more time and you know giving them support um there's room for for all of us and you know i i'm on a mission to to get there and i want to help others you know in, in that same way yeah
2: no absolutely and And Tracy, you've been a a real integral part of a milestone in urban radio this year. As Washington, D.C.'s top-rated WHUR celebrates 50 years. Give us a little history of the station and and what makes HUR so special.
3: Oh, yeah. We are celebrating um, our 50th anniversary. We're very, very excited. Um, We signed, WHUR signed on December 10th. In 71. Um, It was gifted to Howard by the Washington Post for a (laughs) dollar in 1971. And um, so it was black power, black radio was jazzy, you know, news, political, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that. Um, Kathy Hughes was a general manager um, at at H.U.R. around 1976 or somewhere around there. Um, But but we are known for, we're, we're known for being the home of the original Quiet Storm, and that's the, you know, music format that, you know, so many other radio stations around the country have, um, you know, copied us, and, and so it originated at WHUR with uh, Melvin Lindsay as the Quiet Storm host, mm-hmm. and uh, so, you know, we, we break artists, we break records um, from the very beginning um, and it's just a very smooth, unique blend of R&B, soul music. Um, D.C. Is, is a music you know, town, and, yeah. and it's about that quality music. You can't just play anything here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's no. all about the quality. You know, we've broken, broken artists like men condition, you know, Maxwell and, and a whole lot of um, other artists before them. Um, but yeah, so, so we, we have the luxury of, of playing what we want to play. It, we don't have to adhere to any corporate, you know rules and regulations, um, and, and that, that's what makes us special. Also, you know, the community service. I mean, we are a, a big community-driven um, radio station, and I, that's what my general manager, Sean Plater, calls our secret sauce, um, uh-huh. our community service. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we, we do a lot with the Howard University students also. Um, from internships to they help us uh, uh, with a lot of our community efforts. They even like one, one thing one um, um, venture that I think is really cool is that they they spend their um, some of the students spend their spring break um, helping underserved around the country along with WHUR. And um, so that is is, is really special. You know, we do a lot, of, you know, the annual food drives, toy drives, coat drives, um, pay it forward, um, partnership with uh, Wells Fargo, um, giving away free free meals and services and stuff, just going out to different, you know, businesses and popping up and saying, hey, we're, we'll take care of your groceries today. Wow. It's it's,
2: it's incredible. <laughs> and having, you know, having not been there, Tracy, myself, uh, you know, my aunt and uncle, were from that area and pretty much spent a lot of summers and holidays and, and, you know, special family trips in that area. And then, you know, having programmed uh, for WPGC before I came to New York, it just amazed me how passionate uh, people were there about music. And maybe it was the go-go scene, even the kids, they were so far beyond your average hip hop listener. They, they really were passionate about the Jill Scotts and the, the R&B, and, and that was something I always, uh, you know, enjoyed about the market, which, you know, really brings me to something special about you. Um, you know, in addition to, to programming music and, and radio, you know, I wanted to get your thoughts on your time at Satellite Radio. I mean, I remember your channel and you were instrumental in breaking artists like Lettucey, Guapole, and many others. Um, what was that experience like when you when you jumped over to, to XM when they were first kicking off?
3: Oh yeah, that was that was the best, well, okay, one of the best radio jobs <laughs> I've ever had i was at hot 105 in miami as the music director and middays for Mm -hmm. about five years and neo soul was just hitting you know angie stone d'angelo erica badu i couldn't get enough of that music i just Mm -hmm. loved it it spoke to my soul you hear me skip Yep. I mean, I, I wanted I wanted to have more freedom with the music, but there's no such thing in corporate radio as freedom oh. with the music. You know, so <laughs> I, yeah, I, I felt like I was just drowning, and and it just so happened um, I got a call from Tony Gray about an opportunity at at the. I got hired. I came back home to Washington, D.C., Landover, Maryland. It was all good. It was a perfect match for me. Um, XM, um, you know, it was a place where the labels came to break artists. um, And we we didn't have to worry about the ratings, you know, ratings, concerns, or constraints. uh, Lots of freedom and creativity. They wanted XM, you know. They wanted us to to not sound like radio, like mm-hmm. traditional radio, down to your name, which your name is on the air. They didn't want any fancy Tracy Latrells. They wanted Tracy, you know, my real name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Tracy Latrell <laughs> is my real name, but it's my middle name. But anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> but they wanted every, you know, they wanted the the imaging to be different and just to be natural, and you speak to the you speak to your fans. They weren't listeners. Mm -hmm. They were fans. Um, Mm -hmm. and we had a motto, uh, AFDI actually fucking do it, you know, just be (laughs) different, you know, just do it. And, and we wrote our, our imaging to, um, you know, make the station come alive. You had to live the lifestyle of your format. My format, um, it was XM 61, the flow. It started out as an urban AC with a you know, edge to it. So we played some hip hop with the, um, you know, R and B and stuff. And but then it eventually turned into a neo soul channel, and mm-hmm. um, I, we played uh, neo soul album cuts, R and B. We played the Mary J. Blige, we played the Tony, and all that. But we pro- played these new artists, Leela James, um, mm-hmm. uh, Kendrick the Family Soul, mm-hmm. Alicia Keys was one of the artists that broke out. At XM, Dwella, Ledisi, Jahim, Anthony Hamilton, Jermaine Dupree told me that Ant, that the flow was the first station that played Anthony Hamilton. Um, so yeah, it was a very creative environment. It was a lot of fun, a lot of freedom, and it was very very cool.
2: That's that's great. What are, what are some uh, lessons Tracy that that you learned? during the, uh, the pandemic, both professional and personal, how did you, how did you fare through these last, uh, 19 months or so? Uh,
3: I think that the pandemic has, has really, um, had me thinking about what really matters the most in life. Um, and, and just acting on it, what's important to you and, and acting on it. Um, I try to live life to the fullest, and I thank God for waking me up and my loved ones up every day. Um, working from home has also afforded me a better, ba- you know, work-family mm-hmm. balance, and mm-hmm. I truly appreciate that. But hey, surviving COVID has given me a greater sense of, of purpose, and just realizing that we are truly in this together this for the sake of humanity. Like, you know, we have to be there for each other and work together. Um, and yeah, just, you know, realizing what's really important in life.
2: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Do you, um, believe that, you know, in the next few months there'll still be hybrid or do you see everybody back in the office? We're still, you know, we're still two to three days a week. Our jocks are usually two or three days a week. Uh, How do you see this thing going
3: and on air? I think I think it's a hybrid. I think that, um, well, you know, the jocks are in studio, but the support staff, um, most of us are still working from home. And I I don't see that. I don't see that changing for for the next few months or more.
2: Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting because, you know, the big talk now is how much room do we need? You know, I, I I walk through our offices that used to be quite busy and, you know, now it looks like an empty football field. And mm-hmm. So I'm just curious, you know, as to you know, what the studios of the future will look like when you, you know, don't need 20 desks for salespeople and cubicles and, you know, three sales managers offices being, you know, utilized every single day and sales is in at seven thirty AM and programming's rolling in at nine thirty AM and everybody, you know, <laughs> i just, it's, it's a very different time when I'm in my building and, and I, you know, it's just, it, it, it makes
3: you wonder what, what's it,
2: what it's going to look like,
3: you know? Yeah. In the
2: future. Yeah. It really does. And, you know, my question for you is you know, radio continues to persevere. I think we learned. A whole lot as an industry during the pandemic and and hirings happening again. we're excited about you know that but what do you think in your opinion radio needs to be doing now and and in the near future to you know continue to be relevant continue to figure out ways we can grow and and you know move in spite of all the competition around us
3: yeah i i just i still think that the connection with the audience, the engagement, the DJs, you know, with the listeners, I I think that's still the most important thing, um, making that, making her feel special. Um, And I still believe that that's um, one of the most important things. Um, And uh, just realizing that it's not only radio, it's, it's audio, it's on air, it's streaming, podcasting, social media. We have to be competitive in all those areas and, and find ways to, you know, other ways to engage. Um, and we have to be strong and competitive in all those areas.
2: Yeah. Something you do, uh, you know, so well, Tracy, and I, I, you know, never really much had a chance to talk to you about it. We, we, we sometimes touch on the subject, but you know, you do it masterfully well is, you know, without making HUR unfamiliar. I mean, every time I go on social media and you guys are doing a late night interview with an artist on IG, you're, you know, you're, you're constantly engaging the artist community and, and, and talk a little bit about how, Uh, radio can keep its new music discovery. Uh, you know, we used to have, you know, almost a, a 95%, you know, discovery of new artists and music at radio. And now it's dwindling somewhere down to 62, 65%. And, and and what do we do and and how. How have you been able to manage to keep the artist community engaged, bring new blood into the into the fold, uh, you know, and still keep your station familiar?
3: Yeah, that is that's the hard part. (laughs) (laughs) That's the hard part, especially, you know, when a lot of the uh, urban ACs are are playing it safe and, and only, you know, playing the, the oldies and familiar, you know, music, we still want to, um, you know, uh, introduce and expose our audience to new music and new artists. And it's just a fine balance. Like you said, um, And so we like to support it. You know, Al Payne, our our program director, um, I I just kudos to him, you know, going through this pandemic Mm -hmm. um, for um, uh, putting us out there um, with our digital content. We. (laughs) It's just so impressive. You know, we did all types of um, digital content from, you know, gospel artists and interviews and, um, you know, our our gospel community to our R&B, new artists, interviews and performances um, on digital during the pandemic pandemic. and newsmakers, you know, digital uh, interviews and events and, and things like that all throughout the pandemic. And um, so that was very impressive. I think we still have to support new artists and new music with with concerts, with with Special events, bringing the the listener closer, close, close to with intimate events, close to the artist to get to know them. We have to support um, the the new music and the artist by doing other things like, um, um, you know, just just these happy hours, concerts, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. um, all kinds of stuff like that. But I like to put the, the the listener in front of the artist. Yeah, literally. And, and and that always seemed, seemed to work for us.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. In fact, you know, D.C. is one of those. I mean, whatever the format of music, from pop to country to uh, hip hop, R and B. Uh, you know, it's a it's a huge live music uh, area. And um, you know, how do you feel about you know the the concert scene going into twenty twenty two? I know it's it's you know it's back. In, in a certain sense, uh, I mean, we've had numerous events in New York, Summer Jam this year, we've been able to pull off, uh, you know, quite a few uh, partnerships with live shows. You know, we had some, some great ones just in the past couple of weeks. So I'm going to see on tomorrow night, but how do, you, how do you think the touring thing will go? I know we've got the variant, I know that, you know, people are wearing, you know, masks indoors, other venues are, are, are light on it. Where, where do you see uh, our concert business next year for the industry?
3: Skip for, 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 DC, I know, come on to DC and perform and do your thing because we will be there. Yeah. I do, I do commercials for, you know, the station and, um, other folks, but I have a, I have a venue that I do, um, spots for every week. And it's like, they are, they have shows every single week, a couple of shows a week <laughs> and, um, good shows too. And people are showing up. Um, There's so many concerts going on. What what pandemic?
2: Yeah, it feels like it.
3: <laughs> so come on, come on to DC. <laughs> yeah,
2: man, that sounds good. Well, Tracy, listen, I you know forever appreciative of our uh, friendship and and you know always always having you know been a, able to follow your career and, and excited about all the things you're doing. And uh, let people know out there how they can can reach you and connect with you on social and keep in contact with you.
3: Oh, okay. And I also wanted to give out um, the information for anyone who would like to get information on the mentoring and inspiring women in audio yes. mentorship um, that I'm involved with. And it's wonderful. Uh, you can, you can go to uh, radio dot and find out all about it or email Ruth at Pressloff, P-R-E-S-L-A-F-F dot com to get more information on future mentorships or how or how to mentor. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you can reach me at T Latrell um, on on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. All right. And, and yep. T Latrell at W-H-U-R dot com.
2: Wonderful, Tracy. Thank you so much. Uh, continued success. Listen, get some rest over the holidays, if that is at all possible. You know, I know you got you got a you got a kid and some other things that you 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 got always going. You know, your voiceovers and all of that. But but listen, you are you are just a a diamond in our industry, and and forever grateful for knowing you.
3: Thank you. And I have two grown children. Wow, grown, two. grown. <laughs> They think they're grown. They think they're grown. Oh, they think.
2: Okay. (laughs) No,
3: they are. They are. Beautiful daughters. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much, Skip. I appreciate you. I love you. (laughs)
2: Oh, I love you, too. Hun. Thank you. And, and stay around for a couple minutes here in case anyone has questions. And Lloyd, back to you.
0: I'm just going to say that all children think they grown. okay? <laughs> Thank you to Tracy and Skip. Man, you know, you can really tell when Skip brings somebody on this live event who has a big heart, who is a really amazing person. I don't doubt for one second that Tracy is a really amazing person in this industry. You know, look, when you share show up here for one of our live events we do like to ask that you like our group, The Encouragers, and share it with others that you know who love innovation or audio. Don't forget to follow people on the stage during this live event and look around the room. We're big believers in connection, in mentoring and networking on The Encouragers. Thank you for being here and participating in our live events and telling others. We are gonna open the room in case there are questions from you to our guest right now. So just push the button at the bottom of your eyes phone or Android device to raise your hand. We will bring you up onto the stage. We ask that you mute your mic until we address you. We'll call you by name. Now, now listen, by the way, when you join the encouragers, we have people who come only to listen. We really cool with that. That's okay with us. Our goal is to provide you with interesting content and advice, uh, career opportunities to move your career forward and encourage you in what you're doing. But we don't mind sharing the stage with you if you're so inclined that's why we extend an offer to you every wednesday toward the end of our live event but we don't want you to feel pressure to talk this is a safe space for everyone don't forget coming up on this monday coming up you can join us at 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific for our radio rally right here on the clubhouse app With the Encouragers, Monday, December the 6th, really special event, Pierre Bivard, Chief Insights Officer, Cumulus Media, and Westwood One President, Cumulus Media, Westwood One Audio Active Group. Woo! That's a lot of titles. He's going to explain exactly what's happening on the cutting edge with him and what they're doing with that position inside Cumulus and Westwood One. Our fabulous co-host for that event on December 6th will be Corey Dillon. If you don't know her, she is from 100.7 Big FM in San Diego, and she is a rock star. Speaking of rock stars, she will be joined with our other guest on Monday, Melissa Chase, who is the KHMX and KKHH. Brand manager and on-air personality for Odyssey in Houston, Texas. Tell your friends in Innovation Audio and specifically radio uh, that they can get our free resources anytime at Rainmakerpathway.com in our free blog section that includes our schedules for coming events and all that kind of stuff. I I listen, I have one of the first questions for Tracy here. Now Tracy I want to know, this is a two-part question, but it's really, I think it's simple. You'll let me know. What is it like to rise alongside icons in our industry specifically? Because you've done that in a number of places. And I want you to talk about the pride associated with the great HBCUs in the United States. Now, some people might not know that right away, but I'm sure you're going to tell us about it. Can you talk about these two things, please?
3: Uh, the I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? Okay, question
0: number one, I wanna know what it's really like as a, as a woman in our industry to rise alongside the icons in our industry, which you certainly have done in a number of markets and in, in a variety of positions. And I also want you to talk about the pride associated with the HBCUs in the United States, because that's a, that is a theme among these universities.
3: Yeah. Um, well, rising alongside the icons, we're, we're all friends. Um, we're all family. And I, I appreciate the support that I get from folks like skip and, you know, Max Myra Galpain um, and, and other folks, uh, Derek Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. I get a lot of support and love from, from them. And, I'm just so happy and blessed that I'm still here and doing what I love, what I'm passionate about. And I'm happy to be in, you know, like you said, alongside these icons. All
0: right. Tell us about the HBCUs, because I've had a couple of friends of mine who tell me about the the passion with these universities. And I, I just think it's important to highlight that from time to time.
3: Yeah. I mean, you know, working for Howard, well, I graduated from Bowie State University uh, and I also attended another um, HBCU, Elizabeth City State University, where I got my start in radio. They had, uh, Elizabeth Mm -hmm. City State University had a radio station and um it, it it was heard all the way to you know into Virginia Beach Norfolk area they heard me on the air um called and um, I got a job at like 18 years old on a commercial radio station in Norfolk um, just great opportunities you get you, you have great opportunities at HBCUs and um, You know, at Howard University, we work closely with the students, and they learn so much hands-on from us. Also, working for Howard, I put my daughter, Jade, through school free tuition. She has a Howard University, you know, uh, um, um, she's a graduate of Howard University. We know that's Um, huge. Yeah. So there's a, you know, a lot of opportunities um, at HBCUs. I'm very proud um, to be a part of of Howard and a graduate um, of Bowie State University, which is also an HBCU.
0: Well, you certainly are somebody who makes a great contribution. We're glad that you've been with us. Graham, I've got a question for you from our audience and look, this might be a really interesting question to hear you answer as a research scientist. In your opinion how much has sci-fi directly influenced nasa people like elon musk and others involved in innovation today
1: well, I, I mean <laughs> so much right I, I, elon <laughs> elon himself has, has stated so many times that he was a science fiction nerd and he, he grew up wanting to code video games and a lot of those are like science fiction video games and and things like that and like, you look back in our past i, I think most scientists nowadays can probably say, you know, at least one realm of science fiction that inspired them to become scientists as well. Um, and then the fun thing with science fiction, it, it takes a scientific approach to art and, and to trying to tell a story. And, you know, and it applies like, you know, our understanding of things like technology, of progress, of where we might go in the future. Um, you know, some of the earliest science fiction, it's arguable there's been science fiction around for quite some time. I think a lot of people like to pinpoint Mary Shelley's Frankenstein as one of the, the very first science fiction novels. But there's actually a bunch of other uh, kind of science fiction-y stories from long before that. So we humans have used science to tell stories for a very long time. And, and I, I think it's kind of crucial to our, our understanding of our future as well. We can tell some of the, the harder stories about who we are right now by placing those stories into future periods that don't exist yet. Uh, and so, within science fiction, you'll see a lot of commentary on our current culture and what's currently going on in society. But by placing it into a different realm and then kind of exploring some of the things that could happen to us, I think it makes it, you know, a, a more intriguing way for some people to really access some of those issues that are actually happening
0: right now. You know, that's really interesting with clients a lot. I talk, uh, I use this phrase, we're going to talk about an alternative universe right now. It's a way to not challenge them, but let them see how things might would turn out differently. I really appreciate your open and engaging uh, uh, uh attitude and the way you talk about science in a way that makes it accessible to everybody. And I'm grateful for you being on this program with us. We do try to keep things to about an hour. Our thanks to both Graham and Tracy for being amazing guests and, of course, being our patient and giving guests during this live event. A special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast, which will be available any minute, actually, and also will be available everywhere later tonight. And a thank you to uh, JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share both of our podcasts. It's important for us to try to get what we're trying to do here, which is to be encouraging. Our two podcasts are the Encouragers, the Radio Rally Podcast and the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast. We don't take for granted that people just know about us. People are busy in their lives. This is how we help people that are interested in growing their careers in audio, that are interested in innovation. Both podcasts are available on Apple, Spotify, Audible, and wherever you get your podcast. Please do remember this. If you don't remember anything else, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of Innovation and Audio and the Encouragers, and good night.